Hey, good morning. Glad to be here. Yes, this is my, uh, my home. The second time I've been here. I've been here in uh, 2015 uh, and two, 10 years ago. To come back here, it's a, it's a joy and a privilege for me to stand in front of you and share um, the word of God. And this time, uh, my wife is here. I'm very grateful that uh, God has given us this opportunity to come and uh, visit the church here in uh, Handsome Valley Church. Uh, really, I would like to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Dr. Steve and Lee, um, good friends, and uh, mentor, disciple. Um, I'm now in uh, teaching ministry thanks to Steve. Steve taught me, I learned at his feet how to handle the word of God. And uh, most of the time when Steve is preaching, uh, I like to stay and listen to him and learn more. And to come here in Handsome Church, I'm very grateful for that. And Steve, I'd like to say thank you to you for what you did. You can't imagine the training we got from you in Africa. Not only me, but many teachers in Africa, they are very grateful. And the job we've been doing in Africa, it's because of what you did, the training you gave us, we, 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 we can't, I can't imagine. I don't know how to thank you for what you have done for us in Africa. And uh, I'd like to thank the York Church because uh, I've been in the ministry for 29 years now. My wife and I, we've been in the ministry, in full-time ministry. But uh, for what I know that um, the New York Church is uh, really contributing to help us in Africa uh, to hire people in the ministry and to plant new churches. And uh, you cannot imagine the sacrifice of you guys have been doing to Africa. We have many churches now, many disciples, uh, many people becoming disciples and coming here I think it's um, a privilege for me to come and say thank you. Thank you so much. Even our coming here, you were able to contribute to our, um, our, our flight to come and, uh, uh, and uh, visit the church in, uh, in, in New York. So I would like to say thank you for that and may God bless you for your many, many years of sacrifice and generosity. May God bless you. Uh, I don't have many things to say today, but I would like to share only what God is doing, really God is doing uh, in Africa, especially in Central Africa, where my wife and I have been leading the church in Kinshasa, as Steve said, and uh, we do not only have the church in Kinshasa, which is the capital, but we have a church in some provinces of, uh, of our country. We have something like... Uh, 26 provinces in DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. And uh, we have seven churches uh, we planted, but uh, the first church was planted, uh, I mean, 25 years ago now. Uh, and after that, uh, we got, did a great thing. We've been able to plant new churches in uh, some part of, uh, of the country, which is seven churches now in, uh, in, in uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. 
So church is growing. Church is growing fast in Kinshasa and uh, in uh, other part of the countries as, uh, as, uh, as uh, some other nations we've been overseeing. Um, the Congo Brazzaville, which is the Republic of Congo, because we have two Congos and we have two churches over there too. It's another nation. And we have a church in, uh, in um, Central Africa Republic, which is uh, um, another country. The capital is Bangui. And we have another church in uh, Chad, Jamena. The church in Cameroon, we have four churches in Cameroon, uh, in Douala, Yaounde, Bamenda, and, uh, and Limbe, and um, Bafusam. We have churches over there. And we have church in Gabon, in Libreville. So all those churches, they are growing and doing great. I would like to share some secrets of for the church growth in Central Africa, uh, which is very, very, very important for us. Um, some people ask me the question to know what are we doing exactly in Central Africa or the Kinshasa uh, to see the church growing. The only one re uh, response I used to give is the growth of the church depends of the spiritual growth of the members. So when we grow spiritually, we will be able to see the church grow. It's very important. I'm not talking about uh, edging spiritually, but I'm talking about growing spiritually. So we can get many years in the church, but not experience the spiritual growth. So I'll give some secrets, maybe there are many, but I choose only two we've been putting in practice in our churches there. But to come to this, I've tried to read some text in the Bible, in the New Testament, how to see the church in the New Testament, how the church was growing. The verse, to first, um, uh, verse it's, uh, it's an act of apostles, 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 47. Act chapter 2, 47 said this, praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church day by day those who were being saved. This is in Jerusalem, the first church, at the Pentecostal day, we saw that the growth was uh, there. But what was the secret of this growth? This is what I'd like to share in two points. The second verse is in Act 4.4. Act 4.4. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. The following, Act chapter 5. Verse 14, Acts chapter 5, verse 14 say, And the believers were added all the more to the Lord, multi multitude of both men and women. The following, Act 9, 31, Act 
9:31 Then the churches through the hall of Judea and Gal Galilee and Samaria had peace indeed and they increased being edified and walking in the fear of the Lord in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So can I read I can read many many verses like this talking about the truth in the earlier church. As a disciples, we are called to grow spiritually too. Because our spiritual growth will impact our church. Which is very, very, very important. When we read in the verse after chapter 16, verse 5 say, after 16, 5 say this, then the church were strengthened in the faith and increased in number every day. The church was becoming strong and strong in the faith. And the number of uh, the disciples were increasing in the number, they said, every day, which is very, very interesting. You know, in the family, every father want, wants to see his kids growing. If you don't have kids and you don't see them growing, maybe you'll be asking many questions to yourself. So imagine that you have a kid, he still behaves as a baby. So you will ask yourself, what's wrong? Do I feed this kid well? Is that a problem? So any father, any parent, mom, wants to see the growth of the kids. And our Father in heaven wants to see us growing too. When we grow, God is good, happy to see us growing spiritually, doing great things for him. This is what I would like to share. But there are some principles which we need to learn to understand which is behind the secret of our growth in Africa, in Central Africa. There are many, but the first principle I would like to share right now is obedience. The first thing is obedience. They are simple things, but sometimes we need to complicate ourselves on our faith. So when I was talking about secret, maybe people said, what is going to tell us today? What new secret is going to reveal us? But there are simple things, you know it quite well. We learn obedience in the family when we're young, but when we become disciples, this principle still be there. We need to obey to God and to the word of God. Obedience is very important. When we find that we need to grow in Central Africa, we sat down with the church. We read those scriptures to see how the church was growing in the early church. And we ask ourselves what was the secret behind. And we understand that there is one thing which is very, very important. It's obedience to obey the word of God. But this is only in the New Testament. This starts in the Old Testament. God is asking his people to obey. It's just simple to obey to what God is asking us. When we look to the life of Noah, God asked Noah to build an ark. So this ark was huge, was very big. I don't know if I was at the day of Noah, 
What am I going to do if God asks me to do this kind of job? So God asked Noah to build the ark. What God was asking to Noah is obedience. Obedience. Just that. And Noah obey. Which kind of obedience? If you look to the word of God in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. God asked Noah to go and find the wood. That wood, in my Bible, they call it gopher wood. I've never seen it. I tried to find out what this kind of wood was. Gopher wood. Or cypress in, in some version of the Bible. Cypress, something like that. So this is what God said Noah. Go and build the ark and find out this wood which you will use as a material to build the ark. But if I was Noah at that time, I could ask God, can you change the type of the wood? Because that wood is difficult to find. I don't know where I can find that wood. I can just look the, the red wood or the black wood. Would still be wood, God. Can I find something easy for me? But obedience doesn't care about what you think I would like to do. He will not do it. But when God asks something, he knows why. But when you study that wood, you found that that wood has got a material which will help the act to float. But imagine that you find another type of wood which was not able to float. Because you don't like to make many efforts. You don't like to suffer. You don't find to find something easy. So how do you call that? Obedience or disobedience? But for God, he's asking God for wood. This kind of obedience is, we call it, the obedience without submission. Substitution, I'm sorry. Substitution. You substitute, you change, you replace. Instead of what God asks, you say, I don't do this, but let me do this one because it's easy for me. So this is what we've been learning in Central Africa, that when God asks us to do something, we don't like to substitute. We just do what he's asking us to do. Exactly. God is giving a great commission. Go and make disciples. Make disciples. Baptize them, teach them. Can we substitute that one? Find something easier. This is where the problem starts. When, as a disciple, we start thinking to find something easier than what God is asking us to do. But the great example is Noah. He didn't discuss with God. He went, I don't know how many times, many years, took Noah to build the ark, but he was there. He wants to do what God asked him to do. And this is what God is asking us. In spite of what will take us, what God is asking us, we need to be ready to obey. The second type of obedience is Abraham. That's the type of people. Let's obey like Noah. And let's obey like Abraham did. 
Abraham obeyed God without knowing where he was going, he was going where we, he was going. When you look at the Bible, we go to the um, uh, um, Hebrew chapter 11, verse 8. God asked Abraham to leave his home, leave his family, leave his town, leave his neighborhood, leave his relatives, and go to the place he didn't, he was not before there. He didn't ask God about many questions to know where he was going. If there is water there, if there is electricity, or there was uh, uh, comfortable things. But I know that the town where Abraham was living, it was a very good town. To go to Karna, to that place God asked him to go and live under the tent, it was not easy. But he, what God is asking us, is just obedience. This is what we've been teaching our people. To understand that we need to obey God without asking questions. So the very big problem is that when God asks us to do something, we start asking him questions. God, yes, I know. I understand what you said. But let me know where I'm going. What will be life over there? Are you sure that I'll be okay there? Before I move. So, we just say yes and we go. I know that I become a disciple in Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, where I met my wife. Yeah, that's another story. So, we, we, we were in the mission team together to go to Congo and plant the church there. My wife is from Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. So, we went to Congo to plant the church in 1995. So when I decided to go back to my country, so the thi things were tough over there. Life was really different from the life in, uh, in Cote d'Ivoire. But I come to the time when I was asking, it was a very good decision for me to go back home. Because I find that the life in Cote d'Ivoire was really different from the life in Congo. But that's my, my question that I need to obey God. God is... Uh, looking for me. I have to go to my people and preach the gospel over there. Even if the life was tough. I couldn't ask him any question to myself. God, I would like to know if in Congo things is moving fine as in Cote d'Ivoire. Oh, I understand that my people need God. If I don't know God, I don't know who is going to go there. Maybe for that reason, I went to Cote d'Ivoire and I, I met God there. My story was I was a, a Pentecostal pastor before I became a disciple. I went to Cote d'Ivoire because I've been sent by my church to go and see how things are moving there and to start something there. When I have been invited in the church where I was preaching, there was a disciple who passed by and his friend, colleague, was sick. And that time I was a, a Pentecostal pastor laying hands on people and telling people I'll heal them. And when that guy came, he came with uh, some cakes, some bananas to give to that brother who was sick. And he told him that uh, we have a visit of uh, 
this minister coming from Congo, so he's, thanks to him, has been praying for me, you, you find me this way. And the brother said, okay, can you come and visit our church? I remember that day, Eve Florent was preaching. I'm very grateful to that man of God. So when I came to visit that church, which is the Church of Christ in, in Cote d'Ivoire, I had a message I've never heard before. Whenever I was preaching, I was like, this man is talking about my life. Who told him about me? <laughs> so I was like, who told him about my life? This is my life. This guy is putting that just in front of people like this. I was moved by the message. In that time, I've got a long list of invitation of many churches I was supposed to go and preach. And the people start studying Bible with me. So to cut it short, man, I studied Bible in two weeks and I decided to become a disciple. And then I became a disciple, I got many challenges. The first challenge was, I have to write a letter to let to all the churches I preached that I was teaching the false things before I got baptized. Hey, it was not easy for me, yeah? How can I go to get to that place again? In that time, telephone was very difficult to get. I just write letters to tell them that now I become a disciple. I found the truth. What I was doing before, it was false. <laughs> Something like that. And after that, two weeks of studying Bible, I become a disciple. And the only one thing I need is to get back my home and preach and let people understand what I know now is the gospel. But I didn't care about what life is in my country. This is what I'm saying right now. Abraham, when he was sent, he said, okay, I have to go. God is sending me. No question. I have to listen to the word of God. There is many, many commandments in the Bible which God is asking us to do things. But sometimes we've been asking question, questions for ourselves before deciding to do what God is asking us to do. Let's obey like Abraham. Let's obey like Moses. Very, very interesting to obey like Moses. Moses is not me, yeah? I'm talking about Moses from the Bible. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Let's obey like Moses. You know, the story of Moses is very, very interesting because when I was reading this, I understand that Moses got some problem with God. So this has happened when the people of Israel was not listening to what Moses was saying, complaining every time. As it happened to us sometimes, when we become disciples, we start complaining. God, I don't understand what is going, happening in my life. Since I become a disciple, I don't know, things not moving well. I don't know if I have to go still be a disciple or not. God, I feel like yes, I have to stop now. Many, many complaining in the way going to heaven. But it happened to everybody. Even myself, it happened to me too. But the point is this. Moses was upset by what people of Israel was doing. They was asking Moses, you want the water? Moses, you want food? So the life we're living now in desert is not the same life we had in Egypt? So start giving a list of things they, were, they have been eating when they was in debt. And when they asked Moses for the water, God told Moses to go and talk to the rock, and the people got water. And as Moses was upset, he didn't even talk to the rock. 
But he attacked the rod and hit the, the, the rock twice. And water come out of the rock. God say, Moses didn't obey to my word. I didn't ask you to strike the rock, but I ask you to talk to the rock. Sometimes it's happened to us. So we don't like to do exactly what God is asking him to do. But Moses struck the rock. But God told him, you will not enter the promised land. Can you imagine that? Because of the disobedience, you will not enter there. You will see it very far, but you will not enter there because you disobeyed my word. But the interesting thing is what? Moses was under the discipline of God. But God asked him to go and rise up Joshua to take his place. There Moses learned how to obey. He didn't refuse. Can you imagine? They raised someone else to take your place. And they ask you to go and pray for him and uh, arrange all things for him. And you obey. And you do that. It happens sometimes when we are under the discipline of God. We become fierce. Maybe we stop praying. We stop reading the Bible. We say, okay, it's okay for me now. I'm not going to obey again God. But Moses obeyed God under the discipline of God. He didn't complain. When God is, uh, is training us through some difficult time, hard time, we need to learn and obey from his, what he's teaching us. I remember those things happened to my life many times. I didn't understand that uh, in the school of God, there are three things which is very important which help us to grow spiritually. There, are, there is God, word of God, there is a prayer, and there is a suffering too. Those things are helping us grow spiritually. I remember when I left Abidjan going to Kinshasa for the second time because we went the mission team and after two, three years, we, they called us back for the training to Abidjan. And we spent seven years there before getting back again with my wife. But when going back for the second time, we almost lost our staff because the flight we took, my wife and I weren't, but all our staff took another flight after. And that flight has a crash in Cameroon. And all our staff fell down. So, because it's a very great move. We are leaving Abidjan to go to Kinshasa with all our staff. Then I lost all those things. Our diplomas, our papers, our books, all the staff. I remember one day I was asking there, crying and asking God, God, what did I do? You sent me the mission, but what, what's happening to me? But I forget that some tough time which came to our road, God allowed them. But we are not alone. God is there. God is there with us. Even if in a tough time we are going through, God is in control. God is taking care of us. I remember those three people who went in the fire. Abednego, and uh, you know the story quite well in the book of Daniel. 
But I was asking my question to know which was very easy for God to do. Because those guys that were serving God, they decided, they asked them, if you continue to serve God, we put you in the fire. So they didn't stop. They obeyed God. They continued. They persevered. And it took them, put them in the fire. But asking my question, many questions. What was easy for God to do? To go in the fire of those people or to stop them getting the fire? Because when the people look, they say, we saw, we did do we put three people in the fire? But we saw the first person in the fire. And he got the image of the Son of God. But God was even in the fire with those people. When we go through hard time, God is with us. We're not alone. This is what I learned when I lost all my staff because I was not alone. God was there to, to comfort us. Maybe you gain some, some kind of moment in time. Don't lose the presence of God. Just obey. God is in control. Let's obey like Noah. Let's obey like Abraham. Let's obey like uh, Moses. This is the first thing, the first principle we've been learning in Central Africa. So when we, you learn obedience, you grow spiritually. And when you grow spiritually, your church will grow too. Because we are members of the church. If we grow, the church will grow. If we go in obedience, obedience, the church will grow too. The second thing is commitment. That's the second principle and the last one. Commitment. Very interesting principle. We need to be committed to God. Commit to do something. You know, as a disciples, we are not there only expected people just having a look. We just look at the church, but we have to participate. We have to do something for our church. We're not going to be there just have a look, like a visitor, but we're there because we commit to do many things, which is very good for us. Amen? In the book of, uh, of Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, said this. You're not going to call me father, father, father. But you have to be those who are doing the will of God. God wants us to be those who are doing of the will of God instead of being only those who are calling, calling God. We can stay there. We are Christian. We can become religious, but we don't do what God is asking us to do. So when we become religious, I was there before. So I was preaching the gospel, but I was not doing what this gospel is saying before I become a disciple. I was going everywhere with the Bible, preaching, and my life was not related to what I was preaching. Since I became a disciple, I understand that my life must be close to what I'm teaching. Very important. But people still be in calling God, calling God. I'm Christian, I'm Christian. But what are you exactly doing as a Christian? Because the word Christian means only we are like Christ. We are like Christ. So people should see the character, the way of doing of Jesus in our life. When they look at us, they say, Really, this man is a Christian. 
But sometimes it takes us to introduce ourselves. I'm a Christian. But we don't need to introduce ourselves. We need the people to tell us that hey, this guy is a Christian. Because they're able to see the character of Jesus Christ in our life. And this happens when we are committed. We need commitment. Joshua was committed to the read to read the word of God. When Moses gave him the chair, asking him to lead the people in the promised land. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, he told him that, man, you need to commit to read the word of God. Read the word of God day and night. You will have success in what you've been doing. This is what Joshua was doing. Reading the word of God is not something we do only one day or one week. It must be something we do every day. So something we do every day means commitment. We need to commit ourselves to reading the Bible. Another example of a commitment is prayer. Daniel was committed to prayer. He was a man of prayer. They say that people should not, should not pray. You know the, the, the story quite well. They say that, okay, if someone pray again, there was um, a degree, I don't know what they call it in, French, in English again, a paper which the, the king said that uh, people would not pray in this kingdom. So everyone's supposed to never pray. Imagine that in America, they start out, people don't pray. But in that situation, Daniel committed himself to pray. He continued to pray. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says that he used to do what he was doing before. He opened the windows. Morning. Um, midday and evening. Three times a day. The guy was committed to prayer. Do we still pray? Are we really committed to pray? If we need to grow spiritually, we need to be committed to the word of God as Joshua has been asked by Moses. And we need to commit to the prayer as Daniel was praying. Prayer changes many, many things. In Congo, we've been praying a lot. Maybe because of a tough time, the problem we have. We have war in the eastern part of our country, close to Rwanda. So we still be praying for that. We've been fasting and praying, asking God for the peace in that part of the country. Sometimes when you go hard time, through hard time, then we learn to pray. So we don't like to go through hard time to start praying. But prayer is the way of communicating with our Lord. This is the only one way God gives us to talk to him. So now preaching, when you open your Bible, God is talking to you. But when you pray, there you talk to God. But imagine that you are in the kingdom when you do not talk to the king. God is our king. He wants us to listen to us. But can, can someone really beg us, oh, please, talk to the king, please, talk to the king. If you've been given this opportunity to talk to the king through prayer. So I mean, everybody should be happy to talk to God. But unfortunately, so many people, they forget about that. So there's someone to tell him, bro, did you pray this last time? Oh, no, I'm sorry, I forget. Did you forget to talk to the king? 
But if you know that the king is the one who's going to give solution to your problems, you better go and talk to the king. So that's why our life must change. We have to understand that it's a privilege. It's a great opportunity to us to talk to God. Less committed ourselves to the prayer as Daniel did. Amen? Very, very interesting. Then I was just giving examples of those people who really changed our life in Central Africa. But let me ask ourselves the question to know about the Great Commission. It's not an act. It's not something difficult as Noah has been asked to build an ark. But it's just a great commission. Our Lord gave the great commission before leaving this earth, going to heaven. He gave that great commission, go and make disciples. That's the vision. My question now is, are we going to obey to this mission or are we going to resist to the mission? Apostle Paul said, Oh, King Agrippa, I obey to the vision of God, which was the vision to go everywhere and to preach the gospel. What you guys have been doing, I know that you've been contributing a lot to help us preach the gospel in Africa. Very, very important. We are very grateful for what he's got doing. You are not in Africa, but we appreciate the gospel thanks to your contribution too. I really encourage us, we need to be sharing the word of God in America too, because people here still need to meet, to, to meet God. We need to ask ourselves a question, what's the last time I had a Bible study with someone? It's very, very important. This is what God is asking us this morning. I want to share this to you, to see the secrets of our growth in Africa. Last year, in Central Africa, we had 396 baptisms. 396 baptisms in Central Africa. And we restore 37 people to the gospel. The total of conversion, something like 433 people add to the church. Because of two principles, obedience and commitment. So I would like to ask my wife to come and share a little bit about what happened uh, in the ministry, uh, women ministry in the Congo. So that's all for me. God bless. Bonjour tout le monde. Um, hello to everybody. <laughs> I love you. Um, je veux partager à propos de deux, deux choses. I would like to share about two things. Uh, OK, uh, le fait que nous devons persévérer pour sauver les âmes. Uh, nos voisins, nos, les membres de notre quartier, 
nos collègues, les membres de nos familles, toutes les personnes qu'on peut rencontrer et prendre l'adresse, on doit persévérer et ne jamais abandonner. Je veux parler d'une une, une, une soeur qu'on avait euh, baptisée. Donc, elle, elle, elle a été invitée par sa voisine du quartier. She was invited to one of his friends. Pendant huit ans. Uh, since, uh, two... Et elle n'avait pas le temps parce qu'elle était responsable des, des femmes dans une dénomination. Elle était responsable des femmes. She was a woman responsible in that congregation. Mais la sœur a persévéré, elle a continué à l'inviter pendant huit ans. The sister persevered, inviting, still inviting him to the church during eight years. The sister moved from that place. Et la, la voisine aussi a déménagé pour un autre quartier. That lady moved there also. Mais le, mais Dieu, l'esprit de Dieu a poussé la sœur à continuer à inviter la dame. So the spirit of God really moved our sister, that sister, to. Et la sœur a pris euh, cela au sérieux, elle allait retrouver cette dame dans son nouveau quartier. Et cette fois-ci, son cœur était prêt. That time the lady was ready. Parce qu'elle venait de perdre sa fille. Ok, uh, she was, uh, she, her daughter passed away. Et donc, elle a commencé à se poser beaucoup de questions. Et elle a commencé à chercher Dieu réellement. Et elle a étudié la Bible. Deux mois après, elle est devenue disciple. Donc, la sœur a persévéré pendant huit ans pour qu'elle soit disciple. Mais cette femme a eu un impact dans l'église. That sister, after becoming a disciple, he got a great impact in the church. En une année, in one year, elle a baptisé 12 personnes. She, she baptized 12 people, person. Son mari a été baptisé, son avocat, son médecin, ses soeurs, tout, beaucoup de personnes. His, his, uh, his husband, her, her husband. Yeah. Get baptized. Uh, his her doctor get baptized. Lawyer get baptized. Uh, yes. de sa famille, the member of his family get baptized. Voilà. Et uh, bien sûr, dans son une année, et elle a eu une crise cardiaque, elle est décédée. Uh, in one in, in um. En une année, elle a baptisé les douze yes, personnes. Yes, in in one year, she got baptized twelve people, and they got she destroyed, and she passed away. Mais après sa mort. After, after the death of the sister, les gens commençaient à on continue à se multiplier plus de 20 personnes. So she got an impact after 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 she passed away, people started coming to church and then and we personnes. went to 2000 I mean uh, 20. 20 people. Donc oh, Dieu nous encourage à toujours persévérer. So God really encourage us to persevere to see that the sister 
compared to 12 people, after she passed away, people still coming to church. We went up to 20 people converted. Dieu peut sauver les membres de nos familles, nos voisins, par notre persévérance. God can save the members of our family, our colleagues, our relatives, because of our perseverance. La deuxième, euh, le deuxième exemple rapidement. The second example, I'll give it quickly. Si nous voyons des sœurs ou des personnes faibles dans la foi, when we saw people weak in the faith, nous ne devons pas les abandonner. We're not going to let them like that. Donc, on va donner, je donne l'exemple d'une sœur. I would like to give an example of one sister who was uh, really struggling spiritually. On ne la voyait plus. Uh, we were not able to see her. He Lors, was not coming to church. On en va chez elle, on, on voyait que la porte était toujours fermée. Sometimes we go to visit her to her place. We find that the, the door is closed. There is no one there. Et uh, les sœurs sont venues dire à sa dirigeante que elle a déménagé. Well, we heard that he moved. Mais la sœur, la dirigeante a demandé à ce que on demande au voisin où elle est partie. So we went to go to ask to her neighbor to the place she went. She et et uh, pendant qu'on était en train de la chercher, when we were looking for her, la sœur qui l'aidait spirituellement, the sister in church uh, taking care of her, l'a vue dans la rue. She saw her crossing the road. Et elle a dit, on, on te cherche, où es-tu? She said, we've been looking for you. Where are you? Elle a dit, vous ne me voyez pas parce que j'ai perdu ma fille. So you're not seeing me because uh, my, my daughter passed away. Et uh, je suis toujours dans la même maison. I'm, I'm still in the same house. C'est parce que j'ai perdu ma fille que je suis toujours so, dehors. Yes, uh, I'm always out because of what happened to me. On l'a aidé. So we try to help her. On a restauré son âme. So we try to help her restore spiritually, help him. Ouais, parce qu'il y a longtemps qu'elle venait plus. We encourage her. Et on l'a restauré un mercredi. So we try to help her spiritually. Uh, Wednesday he came to church. Non, on l'a restauré un mercredi. On a, on l'a restauré un mercredi. So we restored him spiritually uh, in our midweek service. Un mercredi. Et le, la nuit du mercredi à jeudi, elle est décédée. So the, the, the night from Wednesday to Thursday, she passed away. Ça nous a encouragé à voir qu'il faut jamais abandonner les gens qui s'affaiblissent. So we were moved to see that the sister and his life going to heaven. And uh, the lesson we got is that we're not going to let people like that Even if someone is doing well, we need to reach out and to help those people spiritually. This is what I want to share. Que May God Seigneur bless us. Amen. Thank you.